0: we've had a great day so far, now I want to jump into the word of God and uh, give us a lesson here from what the Lord is calling us in uh, 1 Samuel 16 we're going to start in verse 1 the Lord said to Samuel how long will you mourn for Saul since I have rejected him as king over Israel, fill your horn with oil and be on your way I'm sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem I've chosen one of his sons to be king But Samuel said, how can I go? Saul will hear about it and kill me. The Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show you what to do. You are to anoint for me the one I indicate. Samuel did what the Lord said. When he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town trembled when they met him. They asked, do you come in peace? Samuel replied, yes, in peace. I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come to the sacrifice with me. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they arrived, Samuel saw Elab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed stands before me, stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at things man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart." Then Jesse called Abinadab and had him pass in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, The Lord has not chosen this one either. Jesse then had Shammah pass, and pass Shema passed by, but Samuel said, Nor has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse had seven other sons pass before Samuel. But Samuel said to him, The Lord has not chosen these. So he asked Jesse, Are these all the sons you have? They are still the youngest, Jesse answered, but he is tending the sheep. Samuel said, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. So he sent and had him brought in. He was ruddy with a fine appearance and handsome features. Then the Lord said, arise and anoint him. He is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil, anointing him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came upon David in power. Samuel then went to Ramah. Let's go to God in prayer. Almighty God, I pray that you will help us to focus on what you want us to hear in today's lesson. God, that it's your words being spoken, not my thoughts and my feelings, but it's your word that's being spoken to your people. Father, thank you so much for all the many blessings you've already done, but I pray now a special blessing upon us as we hear your word and get the message that it applies to our hearts and that we walk away different people because of it. We love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And this passage is is very striking. This is one passage that when we look at, everybody wants to go back and let's just focus on verse 7. Because in verse 7 it says, God does not consider our appearance, but he considers our hearts. And we really like that scripture. I like it. We really like that scripture because the first thing we do is we think about everything that's wrong with us. We try to look at ourselves. Let me give you an example. If there is a picture of 30 people, and you were one of them at the 30, when you look at that, what you going to do? You're going to try to look for you. Where are you in this picture? It don't matter who's around you. You're going to be looking at how how was my smile, was my eyes open, What's my wind. 30 people, you're going to be concerned about you. I do it because sometimes we're more concerned with our flaws than the overall big picture of what's really going on well here, it's not so much the fact that God just looks at our heart which is incredible, don't get me wrong but the thing that stands out here is that God notices us in general not just our heart, think about it all that he's doing, God still notices you he still notices me he chose David, but yet he noticed all of his brothers he knew them by name. He didn't just say, Oh, those are his brothers. He called them out by name. He knew exactly what it was. Just like it says in Hebrews four, everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of whom so we must give an account. God notices you. So many times we're thinking, God's blessing this person. And look what God's doing in the voices group. And look at how when George talks, people listen, like E.F. Hunt. He's just up there talking like that. We're just so enamored by But you forget, God knows you. It doesn't matter what everybody else is doing. God notices you. And so I'm asking myself, why did God choose David? Well, I think God saw two things in David, which is the same two he sees in us. The first one is this. He saw an ordinary guy. David was just an ordinary guy. He wasn't of royal birth. Look at us. We're just ordinary people. The second thing God saw in David was he saw great potential. You know what? We don't get as many amens on that because we don't think we have as much potential as God thinks we have. You know what it says in the Bible? He'll never give you more than you can bear. Sometimes I think God thinks more of me than I think of myself because he gives me a whole lot of stuff. But sometimes we beat ourselves down instead of realizing God has lifted me up. He's not beating me down. He's noticing me. And so I want to talk about these things because the second thing is important, that God notices us. That means he has a plan for you. You are here today, so you can see this hope presentation, so you can see these people getting converted, so you can see the voices excitement, you can see that somebody that may have been met in a whole different part of the city is still being converted here. You saw something today to build your faith for whatever reason. God said, you need to be here. Even though you felt like sleeping in, you didn't feel like coming, your foot hurt, your back hurt, your bunions hurt, all that's going on, you still made it here today. Because he says in Jeremiah 29, God knows the plans he has for you. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. So I want to talk to us today about several things that God saw in David that I think we need to imitate because he sees the potential in us. David was a man after God's own heart. So if we want to go after God's own heart, then we can take these characteristics of David as well. Amen? The first thing is this. We must start by being a servant. David was a servant. You know, when you watch that video... First thing you start hearing that song, We Are the World, you start thinking about it, it just brings back all kind of memories. And then you see the faces on there, people smiling. You just kind of get a little softer in your heart. You may have came in upset, car wasn't running right, bus was running late, didn't wake up early as you want, didn't get to eat breakfast. But then you start watching that, it's like, oh, you know what, I don't even care no more. I'm just glad to be here. That's what happens when you see and you serve. Now notice here in chapter 16, David was anointed. Now again, this is significant because this was the only anointment David had. We see all the time King David, we know he was the king, but this was his only anointment. He didn't have some big spectacle, he didn't have some huge party going on, a feast of activities. This was his anointment. Now. Here he is in his late teens, early 20s, and he is now the king of the whole country. How would that change you in your late teens, early 20s if you were the king of everything? Think about it. You just get a new car, you act differently. Bond <laughs> and Nicole, they act whole differently now. They got a new car, now he walking in. What's up, fellas? That's right. I rolled up today. You just act differently. I had a roommate in college whose uncle was Michael Irving. So we went to Dallas. We stayed with Michael Irving for two months. We drove around this car. And this BMW. The windows are really tinted. You can't see in, it. And his lights license plate says Playmaker. So you drive around, and everybody knows Michael Irving's car. So we drove around the car, and we kept the windows up. So everybody thought it was Michael Irving. We pull up to the lights, roll the window down a little bit, reach a hand out, sign autograph, give it back to them. And they think, ooh we just laughing <laughs> you can get something and it just makes you feel differently it changes who you are but look here in verse 19 it says then Saul sent messengers to Jesse and said send me your son David who was with the sheep now notice this, this man just got anointed king and he's out serving in the fields with the sheep Now, I'm telling you, just take my kids, for example. If Lily was queen of the country, it would be over at that point. (laughs) How would your attitude change? Would it change at home with your family? Would it change with you cleaning your room? Would it change with you just wanting food to eat? What's for dinner? (laughs) I mean, how would you change if you all of a sudden was the king of the whole country? Here's the king out serving the sheep. Because that was his heart, to be a servant. You got to ask yourself, if my family is not very serving, am I a good example of serving? I want to challenge you now to, to have a pact in your family. Talk to your family and have a little competition and see who could be the most serving this week. Not even a way, hey, look at me, I'm serving today. No, you just served. People didn't even know David was all doing this and that. They don't know what he was doing with the sheep. They just know he was with the sheep. But you, think about it. You, in your household, are you the most serving in your household? Or do you want to be served the most? Now I'm talking to everybody because your teenagers should be sitting by you too. And them little things got some demanding power sometimes. But you just got to ask yourself, Who is the most servant? Somebody can step up and be an example. I want to be the most servant in our house this week. Look at verse 20. It says, So Saul sent for him, and then it says, So Jesse took a donkey loaded with bread, a skin of wine, and a young goat, and sent them to his son David to Saul. David came to Saul and entered his service. Saul liked him very much, and David became his armor bearer. Now again, again, an armor bearer is somebody that carries the armor out to the war, out to fight, but you're also in front of the person that's back there. So the person that's fighting is back there. and You got all the armor. Your role roles protect him to make sure if there's a threat that you take care of the threat. So here's the king who now becomes an armor bearer for somebody. You got to think about his attitude. He said, I'm the king. I know it. Saul don't know it, but I know it between me and God. So, I'm just going to be a servant. I'm not going to feel entitled. I'm just going to be a servant. Look at verse 22. Then Saul sent a word to Jesse, saying, Allow David to remain in my service, for I am pleased with him. Whenever the spirit from God came upon Saul, David would take his harp and play. Then relief would come to Saul. He would feel better, and the an evil spirit would leave him. David was called into Saul's service. He was out watching the sheep. Then he came in and served for the king. Then he go, watch the sheep, serve for the king. He is the king. He pulled double duty, serving his country and serving his family, without complaining or arguing. That's a big key to this story. He did this without complaining, without arguing, without grumbling. Let me ask you. See, there's, there's a whole lot of ways we could be a servant. You say, well, I just can't get out and do what they did in a video. I just can't be an usher walking up and down the say, I just can't do, maybe you can't, that's fine. But you know what? You could be a servant as a mom, as a dad, as a brother, as a sister in the household. You could be a servant uh, in so many different kind of ways. You could be uh, helping out with AV. There's just so many ways to serve. But see, our problem is we only want to serve sometimes in things that we're good at. I'm good at that, so I can help serve in that. David didn't have a choice of what he had to serve in. The king said, come and be my armor barrel. He did it. Daddy said, go out there and take care of the sheep. He did it. Now, he could have been rebellious and said, I'm not doing it. But that wasn't his heart. His heart was, you know what? I'm going to serve, and I'm going to do it well in whatever area I'm asked to serve. This is a key thing for us. Because we have to understand, I may not be good at sharing my faith. Well, that doesn't mean you're exempt from doing it. The Bible says this is what we need to do. So then we need to get some help and learn and grow in it. So you may not be able to serve in that area. Well, you know what? It doesn't mean you're exempt. But you should never do it. How about trying to improve yourself in learning how to do that certain thing? Look at chapter 17, verse 12. Now David was the son of an Ephraite named Jesse, who was from Bethlehem and Judah. Jesse had eight sons, and in Saul's time, he was old and well-advanced in years. Jesse's three oldest sons had followed Saul to war. The firstborn, Eliab, the second, Abinadab, the third, Shammah. David was the youngest. The third oldest followed Saul, but David went back and forth from Saul to tend his father's sheep at Bethlehem. Again, he pulled double duty. His oldest sons were out there in the war. David was out there in the fields. Verse 16. For forty days the Philistines came forward every morning and evening and took a stand. Now Jesse said to his son David, Take this ephah of roasted grain and these ten loaves of bread to your brothers and hurry to their camp. Take along these ten cheeses to the commander of their union. See how your brothers are and bring back some assurance from them. There was saw and all of the men of Israel in the valley of Elah fighting against the Philistines. Early in the morning, David left the flock with the shepherd, loaded up, and set out, as Jesse had directed. He reached the camp as the army was going out to his battle position, shouting the war cry. Israel and the Philistines were drawing up lines facing each other. David left his things with the keeper of the supplies and ran to the battle lines and greeted his brother. Again, David is still out serving Because that was his role, was a servant. Verse 23. As he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, stepped forward, stepped out from his line, and shouted his usual defiance. And David heard it. When the Israelites saw the man, they all ran and hid in great fear. You know, the second thing we need to see from David, not only was he a servant, but David was a man of confidence. David had confidence. Here he is. The dad says, "Hey, I got three sons that are out there. Why don't you take some bread, take some cheese, going up there, see how things are doing, and find out, bring them back some insurance." So now they're all lined up for war. They're lined up for battle. And then here comes little brother. Hey guys, what are you doing? How's it going? You know it just irritated them. They were ready to go to war and this little mat is flying around asking me, how am I doing? Got this big old giant there and here he is. But his attitude was, you know what? They started shouting defiance against God. And it says all the Israelites, they just ran. And so David's standing there like, where y'all going? Don't y'all hear what he's saying about our God? And y'all just going to leave like this? Here's the little brother now. Just standing out there by himself because everybody else done ran. And he's like, what in the world are y'all doing? Are we not listening to the same thing? Look at verse 25. Now the Israelites have been saying, do you see how this man keeps coming out? He comes out to defy Israel. The king will give great wealth to the man who kills him. He will also give his daughter in marriage and would exempt his family from the taxes in Israel. David asked the man standing near him, What will be done for the man who kills the Philistine and removes this disgrace? (laughs) Here's the king. The king is so desperate. He's trying all he can to get his people to fight. I will exempt your family. I'll give you my daughter in marriage. I'll do whatever. Somebody stand up and fight. Verse 27. They repeated to him what have, been, what have been saying and told him. This is what will be done for the man who kills him. When Eliab, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger at him and asked, Why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the desert? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. Now what I have done, said David, what have I done? said, David, can I even speak? Then he turned away to someone else and brought up the same matter, And the man answered him as before. What David said was overheard and reported to Saul. And Saul sent for him. David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go out and fight him. Saul replied, you are not able to go out against the Philistine and fight him. You're only a boy and he has been a fighting man from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or bear came and carried him off from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from his mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by his hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine would be like one of them. Because he defies the army of the living God. The Lord who declared me, who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear, will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. Saul said to David, go and let the Lord be with you. Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic, put a coat, coat of armor on him, a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on his sword and, and tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to them. I cannot go on these, he said to Saul, because I'm not used to them. So he took them off. Then he took in his hand, his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them on the pouch, on the shepherd's bag, and with his sling in his hand, approached the Philistines. This is a boy of confidence. I'm sorry, a man of confidence. All the warriors ran when he came out to fight. But then here's David, confident. Now, why was he confident? Well, he said, You know what? I can fight. Because when the lion tried to take the sheep, I killed a lion. I killed a bear. I did all those things. So you know what? It was the small victories that David had in his life that led up to this time that gave him confidence. Brothers and sisters, friends, God has blessed each of us in so many small ways along the way. You need to remember all those things that God has been doing for you along the way so when you hit a big crisis, you say, I have confidence in God because he's taking care of me all these times. I'm not worried about this. i will take care of this uncircumcised Philistine. This is what he's saying. He relied upon God because he remembered the blessings that God gave him. Brothers and sisters, I know how you were when you came in today. But hopefully these baptisms, hopefully the whole presentation, hopefully what I'm talking about today will help your spirit to be different when you leave. Right. It doesn't matter how, much how many challenges you had this week. God is saying, think about what I've done for you. Right. First of all, I let you wake up again today. You need to be thankful for that and you made it there to the fellowship and you're still looking good coming out dressed up like you're doing today. He said, you need to be grateful for all I've done for you. Guys, we are so quick to play the negative tapes of Satan instead of playing the positive things of God. We need to stop looking at what's wrong with us and look at what's right with God. That's how we overcome. Did he have obstacles? Yes he did Think about this, his own father didn't believe in him My three sons are at war They went out there with swords and spears I want you to take this cheese and bread And go see how they're doing You ain't nowhere near a fighter Go take the cheese to them and see how they're doing His brothers get there They get critical of him, what you doing here? You just came, you so conceited, why you here? His brothers didn't believe in him The king didn't believe in him You can't fight this man, you're a boy he said, "Check out my resume. Lion, check. Bear, check. Sheep, none lost. Mic drop. Walk up. So all like, Okay, dude. you got me on that one." David was confident because of what God has done in his life. I want to encourage you to remember the blessings God has in your life. And the third thing, David was a slayer. David was a slayer. He slayed the obstacles that was in front of him. He didn't let his obstacles beat him down. He beat down those obstacles. Now, in verse 41. Meanwhile, the Philistine with a shield barrel in front of him kept coming closer to David. He looked David over and saw that he was only a boy. Again, you got to see his shield-bearer is in front of this big old giant of a man. That's sad. He looked David over and saw that he was only a boy, ruddy and handsome, and despised him. He said to David, Am I a dog? Did you come out with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said, and I'll give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. David said to the Philistine, You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day... The Lord will hand you over to me, and I will strike you down, cut your head off. Today I will give the carcasses of the whole Philistine army to the birds of the air and the beasts of the earth. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. Yeah. Big old Goliath came out. He's like, are oh, you going go to throw these sticks and I'm going to fetch them like a dog? I'm going to tear you up, little boy. <laughs> He's like, what? You don't know who you're talking to. I'm a man of God. Not only am I going to kill you, but your whole army. I'm going to destroy your army. Why? Because you're going to know that there's a God in Israel. Brothers and sisters, why do we do what we do? So people know there's a God in New York City. People know there's a God in America. Now then you gotta see, David wasn't dumb. And sometimes we we act like, okay, I'm gonna pray about it, and even if it's something dumb that I do, God will deliver me. Whoa, wait a minute, back that up. David wasn't dumb. He took five stones. You know what? If that first one missed, he got five more. Four more. Little slip up, my bad. I'm the brother on the fifth floor. But see, he came prepared. If the first one missed, I got four backups. Sometimes we just jump into things, oh the Lord will take care of me. Whoa. David had confidence, but he just wasn't a, a dummy. He's like, you know what? I need to at least be prepared. In other words, let me give God something to work with. Why may God work harder for my unpreparedness? Guys, this is part of a problem for us. We need to make sure we're giving God something to work with.
1: We just expect him to do it all some
0: of the times. That's not the way David was. He said, you know what, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to fight this fight. He went out there, he he was running. He didn't just walk up. He ran up to Goliath and he was swinging at it as he did. (laughs) Dropped dead. It wasn't over though. Took his own sword, chopped his head off, and held it up. Now oh! so imagine that scene. Blood coming on down, side, he the sword in the sand. Oh, y'all, what happened a few minutes ago? Don't turn on the man. And he's just sinking ahead. And all the Philistine army started running. I can't do it, I'm hurt. But he started running. Exactly what he said would happen, happened. Because he had his confidence in God and not in himself. If his confidence was in himself, he would have been thinking, when I sling this rock, will it hit? What if it missed? What if it goes too high or too low? He would have been so concerned about him that God would not have been in the picture. All he did is trusted in God and slung it. And God guided that rock to the right spot that killed him. See, if it was him, it could have hit him in a chin. That might have been done for David. But God guided that to the right spot to take him out. Guys, we have to trust in God. We have to rely upon God. Give him something to work with, but we have to rely upon God. So we need to come and be prepared for tomorrow. What do we need to do to be prepared for tomorrow? You do the little things that no one sees. This is the first step in being prepared. You do little things that nobody sees. He was out fighting the lions and bears in the desert. Nobody saw it. Nobody knew about it. But that prepared him for this major battle. Secondly, you ignore the false gods. Goliath worshipped the false gods, but David served the one true God. Thirdly, you got to reject failure as an option. Too many times we don't even try because we're worried about if we fail. So we're so worried about failing that we don't even try. He said, you know what? I'm going to still do this. My daddy didn't believe in me. My brothers didn't believe in me. The king didn't believe in me. But God believes in me. Because God sees the potential in me. And then fourthly, you have to close the back door. David stepped across the battle line There was no returning Once he stepped across that line Guys when you say Jesus is Lord You need to close that back door It should not even be an option of You know what I don't think I'm going to come back Or I'm not going to continue I'm not. That should never come out of your mouth After all that Jesus did for you The thought of leaving him Should never enter your mind You have to not just close that back door, nail it up, seal it. You need to weld it. Do whatever you need to do. But make sure that is not an area you can go back to. Brothers and sisters, the Bronx is just now getting cranky. I told you when we came here, this was chapter one of what we're going to do. And we're writing more than just one chapter. This is a paragraph. Those five conversions is just a paragraph of chapter one. We had a lot more to write in this book of life, guys. And I'm encouraging you to be faithful, to be confident in God, to be faithful and to be prepared. If we do these things, we will truly bring glory to God in the Bronx. And to God be the glory. Amen.